Hey, what's up everyone and welcome back to The Intersection. I'm your host Frankie Walls and for this week's episode we'll be talking to Sadie Bobadilla about her identity as a first-gen Afro-Latina student and how that's affected her experience going to a, a predominantly white institution. So if you want to start by introducing yourself just with your name, your major, um, your year, and anything you think is important for people to know. Hi, my name is Sadie Bobadilla. I am an integrated marketing communications major, um, Latinx studies minor. I'm a senior. Um, What else? I am a first-gen student. Um, I'm also a first-generation immigrant. Um, I immigrated here from the Dominican Republic as a child with my mom. So first, let's talk about why you, like, how you found out about Ithaca, why you chose Ithaca. Um, Okay, so usually every year my high school hosts a, um, or a local college that my high school um, will sponsor will host a college fair. Um, It's called King's College. So we will take a field trip down. And um, the year that I was a senior in 2017-18, I had gone down with my class um, to King's College to go to a college fair. And there was a bunch of colleges there obviously was super overwhelming and I remember hearing someone talking and saying like oh I don't think we have like the prettiest campus but I'm not saying we don't it was just something along those lines like talking about um the nature and everything else of that sort of surrounds Ithaca and I had gone over to the table and it was someone tabling for Ithaca College I was like oh this seems cool I'm gonna look around and apply and uh by the time I got you know all my responses back from my schools Ithaca happened to be the uh school that offered me the most financial aid even though most of the other schools I applied to were in-state schools, I'm from Pennsylvania, and none of the schools in Pennsylvania that I had applied to had given me nearly as much financial aid, and so Ithaca was the only school that really made it possible for me to go to school and get my degree without having to go into an insane amount of debt. For sure. And then, obviously, Ithaca College is a PWI, and as much as it does really do a lot to support its students of color, Um, the experience is definitely different. So how would you say that being a first gen and a dreamer um, affected your experience at Ithaca? I think that going from where I live, so I live in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. It's a smaller city, but it's still like very, very, very diverse. We have a really large Latino population, specifically Dominican people. And so I went from sort of being in class constantly with people who looked like me people spoke the same language as me from doing that to then coming to a school where people like were really obsessed with the fact that I wasn't mixed and that I wasn't black or white but they were like I don't know I think it was very strange because the second I got here my freshman year people were like oh like what are you and I was like no one's ever asked me that because everybody in my town or everybody that I've been around up until now knows that I'm Dominican and so and it wasn't really like obviously being Dominican isn't necessarily a racial identity but that's how I identified myself before I'd gotten to college so it was really strange to have to categorize myself in like a little census checkbox when I got here because obviously like I had been doing that for job applications and other things in the past but it was really weird to get asked that by my peers I thought because I was like this isn't something that people ask me like all the time Um, because everybody around me is from the same area that I'm from or is like has a very similar ethnic background than I do and so yeah it was really kind of strange to feel like 
people needed to know what I was all the time and it literally made me have like an identity crisis about myself because I was like um well I'm not black or I'm not white but like not specifically or at least because obviously like I don't really know um a lot of my family's background because colonization <laughs> so I obviously I can trace back like my grandma and my great-grandma and stuff but we never really know like where we came from they just like are a bunch of afro-latino people that live in like the countryside we don't really know obviously the the vague overlying terms of how they came to be there but not really anything specific mm -hmm. um so yeah that's kind of how i started my ex experience at Ithaca college was just sort of like everybody questioning my race or my, my my racial background as soon as i stepped on campus do you think that's kind of because also you appear um racially ambiguous to some people because your skin is like lighter but it's still very brown but then your hair is like straight and curly mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on how you wear it do you think it came with just like that's so that's kind of sucky that it's like because of your racial ambiguity but do you think that like that played a part in it yeah i think definitely so i literally like there was a point where i was going around my building and i had my notes app open and i was like i'm gonna go around and i'm gonna ask everybody what they think i am and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like pose any other context to it i'm just gonna ask them to be like what do you think i am and the tally that i had was so strange it was like i because i had split it down the middle because most of the people beforehand were telling me like oh you either look like latina or you look um like mixed so i was like okay let me go around and do this because also like personally i had never categorized myself as mixed i never categorized myself as like racially ambiguous ambiguous because that's not that wasn't really like a frame that i had to place myself in when i was back home mm -hmm. so yeah i think it definitely was like people were like i can't tell what she is so i feel the need to go up to her and ask because that's a thing that we do like i don't know it just felt kind of strange because i was like i don't know where i'm from like you don't just like walk up to people and like ask them like questions like that for sure no just, it is strange <laughs> it is yes. it's a very strange thing and i think you know that's not a conversation starter that i've ever had um and i think that's something like us and all of our friends like if someone tells me their racial makeup that's great but if they don't like i kind of just go with whatever the vibes are like it's i feel like asking and assuming also causes a lot of problems and makes it really detrimental so i completely understand because that's something that's actually like really funny <laughs> um my my mom and troy, <laughs> troy who does my hair when i told them that you wanted to get locks they were like is she like mixed and i was like uh she's dominican <laughs> like, yeah because that's the only way you can say it because i feel like people don't realize like obviously there's a very good narrative they're not a very good narrative but there's a a pretty basic understanding amongst like most people in the u.s that like black americans like m their entire ancestry was robbed from them mm -hmm. but i feel like people don't take into consideration like all of the black and brown people from other countries who also have no clue like I, I don't know. I think, like, if you're from Haiti, you're automatically characterized as black. But if you're from Dominican Republic, it's like, ah, well, are they? And because also, like, there's a lot of diversity in the Dominican Republic as far as, like, racial makeup. Because there's, like, white Dominicans. Mm -hmm. There's Dominicans who are more, like, native. And um, Dominicans who are, like, have more African ancestry. So it's just, like, mm -hmm. nobody can really tell. And I don't know. When I first, like, bring it back to, like, when people were just, like first started asking me that, I was, like well i don't know i feel like i never in my life characterized myself as being like obviously i don't identify as white in any way mm -hmm. um 
And so I never in my life had th- like thought like, I'm white, which like obviously I know <laughs> I have a Spanish last name. Like I know the gist of what has happened, but in my immediate family, I don't have any white family members. Yeah. And so like all my family members are very black presenting and very like black and indigenous presenting. Like I think if you people, when they see my mom, they're like, we have nothing. We we're like, like people are like, she looks like East African or she looks like, like Native American, but like nobody can really pinpoint it. And I'm like, well, we don't know either. So yeah. <laughs> I guess we're all confused. Yeah. And that's something that's very interesting too. That's like a strange discourse that comes around when you're talking about Dominicans as a whole, because there are like, there was this musician I was a fan of and he's Dominican and that's what he'd say. He's Dominican from the Bronx. And he was, he like said the N word and people are like, well, are you black? And he was like, I don't know. I've never considered myself black. Like, I think I'm just Dominican. And there were all those like white passing or white Dominicans who are like, I'm not black, I'm Dominican. And it's like, mm-hmm. then there's the discourse of like now that characterization that like maybe one or two people had is now on the framework for all Dominicans. Cause then everyone's like, oh, well, if you're Dominican, you're not black. But then there's like obviously black Dominicans. <laughs> like, no, exactly. <laughs> Literally, like there's just, and I don't know, I feel like people, because I think when we're talking about race and we're talking about like the diaspora of just like African-American people as a whole, there are literally so many shades that a black person can be, but let you be a light-skinned Dominican and everybody is like the quickest to come for you and tell you that you're white because you're a lighter-skinned Dominican. But I'm like, yeah, 100%. That does happen. And I think it's very strange because not only is it um, like, well, it's colorism, obviously. It's like colorism and anti-black, like mixed into one. And it's kind of hard to like have that discourse and conversation too, because then it's like, well, nobody's being colorist. Like you're just making that up. And it's like, actually everything we're talking about is stemmed in anti-blackness and colorism. But because you don't want to talk about it, we'll just use an overarching term for now and just like leave it how it is. Yeah, it's just, it's really frustrating when you think about it because it's like, I don't know, I'm tired of people asking me like, what are you? Like, bitch, I don't know. Like, I wish I knew. I, 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 I could get back to you on that one maybe in like 100 years when I find out, I uh, figure out a way to like get back all of the, you know, all of like my history that's been lost. For those, but I have For nothing. those who are thinking we should do 23andMe, 23andMe was made for white people. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, race is not biological. So 23andMe yeah. is kind of bullshit because when you think about how you trace it back, you can only trace things back like like DNA wise, yeah. but like on a scientific level that doesn't trace back like your actual um, genealogy and your ancestry because 100%. it doesn't do the same thing because race is a social construct yeah. built race. by white people to yeah. keep everyone else down. So yeah. it doesn't really doesn't really do much yeah and that's something i feel like we have this conversation with our friends a lot and it's something that kind of isn't often is often in conversation because it's just something that's like so deep-rooted and just like all of our identities and personality which is like so strange but it's like like just thinking about it like almost everything is rooted in like racism and system systemic oppression and just like so we can't really have these conversations with like out thinking about it yeah and i was in class where i was in class uh on wednesday i was in intro to culture race and ethnicity and um our professor dr gonzalez was talking about how um in psychology or in sociology 
Belisa Gonzalez mm -hmm, from the Center for Culture, Race, and Ethnicity. And so we we're talking about, um, in terms of psychology and sociology, what are the first three things that you notice about a person? And it's usually their race, their age, and their gender. Mm -hmm. And because those are the three highest forms of systematic oppression is by race, gender, and, and, um, and their age. Mm -hmm. So it seems like I think that comes into play a lot. And it's like we try to like negate these systems because obviously like we're systematic and like systematic oppression doesn't work for literally anybody except white people so we try to negate these systems but it's also like we find ourselves trapped in them with questions like what are we like what are you like trying to always categorize somebody by their race and i just think it gets like really muddy when you talk about people like dominican people who don't really have a set you know they don't really know mm -hmm. their racial background like that because obviously like i think a lot of people don't realize in the dominican republic coming back to like the i know black i'm dominican thing i know it started off as like it was like a joke and then whatever but it's like in the dominican republic race isn't seen like that mm -hmm. we don't have like an actual systemic system based off of race it's more of oh like we're all dominican but it's like oh like there's terms of endearment that denote certain groups so like you'll call like a, a female woman who or a female who has uh whatchamacallit like more white presenting features like you call her rubia or you call a, which Rubia means blonde, blonde. woman. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for you. It was for the listeners, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I took Spanish. I'm an AP. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, or somebody of my complexion, like, you would call them, like, Indiacita, which is, like, little Indian girl. But, to, like, it just kind of denotes, like, the color of my skin. Like, I'm I'm brown-skinned, like, lighter-skinned. Um, and then, like, Morenita would be someone of, like, your complexion. So it's just, like, categorized more as that and not necessarily as, like, an actual system mm -hmm. that you have to say, like, check off on a census. Like, oh, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Native American, I'm indigenous. Like, mm -hmm. So it doesn't have the same context. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, specifically for Dominican people who, like me and my family, like, immigrated straight from the Dominican Republic, like, haven't been here, you know, all of our lives. Like, I think it's different when you have, like, multi-generational immigrant, like, immigrant families that have been here for a while that identify more with the U.S.'s system of categorizing race versus, um, like, the, the Dominican Republic's. Would you say that, like, a lot of your friends have the same identity as you, whether that be, like, other Dominican friends on campus or first gen but also like dreamers I mm -hmm. sorry I just use dreamers because I'm like I always say the other term kind of strange <laughs> mm -hmm. no, you're good you're good um yeah I think obviously it depends on I have friends who aren't Afro-Latino Dominicans like I have friends who are white Dominican but I think with my um like my Afro-Latinx friends it is definitely like oh we recognize like we're not we're not just Dominican, like, well, at least we're not just categorized as Dominican in the eyes of, like, other people. Um, like, I think something that we really focus, or that I really focus on, I think, is sort of, like, setting myself aside from, like, I don't have one certain box that I can check off. Like, I think, I don't know, I think people are so quickly to, like, accept, like, when anybody else is, like, mixed with a bunch of things. But I think, like, in my case, or, like, with Dominican people, they're like, but, like, what are you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like why don't you leave it alone because there's also like you know like the people use the term like mutt to describe themselves i don't i think that's I very derogatory i don't really like it i don't it's like it at all but they'll use like i've i've heard people like specifically from campus that like people who are um you know of a bunch of mixed different ancestries like describe themselves as that and i personally don't identify with that because i'm not a dog but um uh i think that that's sort of like the it's like 
I don't know specifically how to describe myself, but I personally have just come to terms with sort of settling on, on Afro-Latina or like, I don't even, I honestly, to this day, I probably couldn't even tell you specifically, but that is just like the easiest one to categorize myself with because it is such like a mixed bag because obviously like I've got somewhere, someone in my family was white, but like Francisco de Bobadilla is literally like a Spanish conquistador, like a famous Spanish conquistador. So like obviously somewhere in my family, someone was white and somewhere in most Dominican people's families, someone was white. Um, not by choice, mostly because we were you know, colonized <laughs> by Cristobal Colón. Um, but yeah, no, I think that amongst my friends who identify similarly as me, I think there is sort of like a mutual understanding where it's like, like my boyfriend, for example, he's Dominican, he's also Afro-Latino. And I think like we personally on that same level, like relate to it in the same way where we're like, well, we, I don't, I wouldn't identify myself as a black woman, mm-hmm. but I identify with a lot of the systematic issues that black women also face Mm -hmm. and that I identify myself with a lot of um the same issues that black women face in like just their regular everyday lives Mm -hmm. like white girls try to stick their hands in my hair too it is still extremely unpleasant I was there when it happened exactly so (laughs) shout out to that girl (laughs) um but yeah I think that there's just not like a cut and dry way to explain it and I feel like that's kind of the consensus I've come to with a lot of my Dominican friends Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's also something that's very common for us, though. Like, as you said, like a lot of your struggles may align more with Black women, and that's, like, the people you surround yourself with. Because I think when I first started going to school here, I wasn't 100%, like, certain where I'd fit in, especially because, like, I went to high school in a place that, like, yeah, there were, I did have a group the group was not the nicest to me, so I don't really like friend groups, but, like, my mom would always be like, please, like, you need to find other black women, you need to find other women of color, you need to have people who kind of, like, understand you, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's, that's, like, my priority, well, when I was a first year, and, like, now as a senior, I can see how important it is, maybe if I started sooner my first year, like, maybe, it would have like improved my experience a lot but like obviously I have you now and like all of our other friends and I'm very grateful for that so I think it is an interesting conversation to have when you have to talk about like that level of sisterhood and how it can often vary for like people depending on like who you're talking about because like again in variation like you have your Afro-Latina identifying Dominican friends but you also have your other Dominican friends and then you have like the black women that align with you but then besides that like you also have other friends and like a lot of your roommates are white and just kind of like how all of those identities kind of get jumbled up when here so do you think that's ever I don't know like did you think that was ever something that was hard to get acclimated to or something that was just like white I woke up and like it's different because I remember being in like a fully white friend group (laughs) my first year and like now I'm like I might be have I might be living with like white roommates but besides that like a lot of the people I spend my time with like are like individually are women of color the ones that I'm very close to so just kind of like your experience with that well I think Definitely, I was also in, like, an all-white friend group my friend, my freshman year, my first year here. It was awful. Um, would not recommend. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I think, 
living with them is a little bit less tricky not necessarily the easiest thing because also like there are a lot of different things that I feel like we don't share match up on yeah and we don't share example I'm gonna call out my roommate right now it's okay because we've talked about it but when we first first moved in did my roommates not lock the door (laughs) yes and I was like why are you not locking the door to our apartment I'm coming right back I don't care if you're coming right back that what what are you doing someone could come in our house (laughs) I live in the circles that lock automatically so we haven't had that problem thank goodness um but our back door yes that has been a problem um and also just on top of that like um I don't know I just think I I'm lucky that one of my roommates is Latina um she's white latina but i love you jules um because it it is i feel like a stronger sense of kinship i think with her uh because of that and because like like she'll be on her phone on the phone with her parents and we have like a lot of like different cultural discourse and it's really nice to have somebody there who isn't necessarily obviously she's not like she's not as close to me as like some of my friends who are like brown latinas who i relate to who i'm like super close with but i definitely feel like a better sense of kinship with her and it makes me feel a little bit less like i don't know like she makes me feel heard and uh i can speak spanish with her which is nice because i don't get out of practice because it's really embarrassing when i go back to my house and i haven't spoken spanish in months and my parents are like why are you talking like that (laughs) and my grandma is like i don't understand you so i think i don't know she's make it she made it a lot easier um and we become really close like super quickly because of that and so i don't know i think like i don't know i just think like our cleaning habits are very different um (laughs) yeah our cleaning habits of like the house and of ourselves um i and they already know that i did this and i don't care if they hear me say this but i had to yell at them in like the most dominican mom way i've ever yelled at anybody in my life and for those of you who have never had a dominican mom yell at you it is terrifying they're usually pretty short women but have really strong voices and really strong fists so and there's usually a shoe in (laughs) yes a chancla a croc a a boot whatever they have and if they don't have any shoes nearby uh, anything they can find so yeah i just i was like i need order in this house i need you guys to clean up after yourselves i need a constant like cleaning to be happening because i don't want to be living in filth and like one of my roommates has a dog like so there's like things that I personally like growing up in a Latino, like in a Dominican household where there's no dogs, there's no, we don't have pets. Like yes. pets are not a thing. Pets are not a thing in my black household. They're either. not a thing because one more thing to clean up after. Yeah. And like it's, it's feet touch everything and then they touch your bed and they touch your couch. Or they lick themselves. Exactly. And then they lick you. Or they lick, or sometimes they eat their own poop is what I've learned from my my time my brief time as as a dog aunt I would say so I don't know there's just like a big like a cultural shock between us or like I don't know I just think I sort of I like to stay on top of things a little bit more than they do because my mom raised me to sort of like have my shit together all the time and so sometimes like they'll they'll just be I don't like having obviously like I don't necessarily want to like push them to like do something when they like mentally can't do it but sometimes I'm just like I know you're kind of depressed right now, but but could you please, please tidy up the living room? Because that makes, that stresses me out and gives me more anxiety than I need to have. And so, like, that's been, like, sort of the kinks we've been working out. Um, and, yeah, like, 
I don't know. We were we're still in the in the process of setting more boundaries, so that's another thing. Outside clothes on my bed and such um, are more to, uh, you know more things to come. But as of right now, it's just you know it is it does take some getting used to, but it helps that every white person in my house is excluding Jules. The other two are both um, immigrants, mm. so like we connect on some level mm -hmm. and so it makes it a little bit easier like my roommate Nusi is Nigerian um my roommate Jules is Paraguayan and Argentinian and then um the other two are both European immigrants mm -hmm. so it makes it a little bit I think we relate a little bit more because they don't necessarily they don't have they have haven't grown up in the U.S. um or like they've grown up in the U.S. but they have like an other another um like lens to see the world through because they're they're immigrants or because um like one of my roommates is adopted mm -hmm. so i think like they we have other intersectional identities that allow us to relate mm -hmm. but there is definitely some like cultural like shock i think at points mm -hmm. for sure i think that's something that's very interesting because like i was an ra last semester so like trying to find a roommate was very hard for me but like the people i've talked to so far and i kind of be like oh yeah i'm living with three white roommates they're like what and i'm like listen there were like no other options and they're very nice. I love them. Thomas made us drinks and we're going to see a movie tomorrow. So like I have a great time with them, but I do think like there is a cultural shock and that that happens like very often when it comes to like adjusting. And I don't know if that's just like a PWI thing or just like an Ithaca thing besides the cultural shock from like dorm living like because like last semester it was just you and Nusi, so I, it's definitely different now having like a full house um like were there any other times do you think it was hard adjusting to Ithaca whether in your first year during the COVID semesters or now like like was it hard for you adjusting to Ithaca it definitely was I the first thing that I literally just came to my mind is the food I have been getting home-cooked meals um, of really exquisite <laughs> Dominican cuisine my entire life. My grandma lives with me at home and so does my like my mom. So I've been getting home-cooked meals since I was like since my whole life basically I've been getting home-cooked meals of the same traditional Dominican food that I'm used to having. So like first moving here I was so homesick because I as much as I appreciated that I didn't have to cook for myself my first two years here, it still was not the same as having this like the food that I had at home and I think that also centered around the food was like the community that I have at home where I can if I if my mom doesn't cook there is like four different five six different Dominican restaurants I can go to and the lady always knows me and um we have like a, a nice little discourse she asks me how school is going ask about her like her kids and so there's always like a sense of community and I think that like I miss a lot of that when I'm here because when I'm at home I have not only like all of my latino friends but um like my sisters i have two younger sisters and they're like my best friends when at least when i'm at home when i go to school they kind of forget about me um and they never yeah. text me because i guess they're like out of sight out of mind this but, is a call out jet <laughs> no literally this is a call out jet and dana you are the worst anyways um so yeah i just I don't know i miss a lot of like the sense of community that i have at home where i can just there's and so many things are way more accessible i think than they are in ithaca i have been trying to get my hands on salami and cheese to fry to have with plantains for the last two weeks and i have i checked everywhere and i can't find them <laughs> and so i think that that's like part of like the cultural shock that i get when i come here is like 
there's no food like the food that I have at home and food for my family is like super important like that's like we'll sit down and have meals together and that's just like most of the time that we spend together is either cooking or eating together and so when I don't have that I just feel like something's missing so I try to like recreate that in my apartment now my first two years here wasn't as easy because I also didn't have a lot of uh friends of color and specifically like Dominican friends that could relate to what I was missing out on um and also there I didn't really have like a a kitchen where I could cook besides the dorm kitchen and nobody I was not going near that yeah no it's always really bad in there (laughs) it's always super gross in there disgusting like please and so especially the first year dorms but um yeah so I just I don't know that was the main thing that I missed and I feel like also at the same time um just in general I feel like the sense of community that I obviously like I think I've over my like my last couple years here I've created a sense of community in Ithaca where I have like people that I can go to I have like a support system but it's just it doesn't feel like my home mm-hmm. and I don't think it'll ever feel like my home like I can now that I'm a senior like I know how to get around in Ithaca like I can you know like the guy at five below knows me because I go in there so often but um it's not the same I think as like being at home because I think at home it just feels warmer going off of that sense of community though for sure it definitely feels warmer at home like I didn't even used to have that big of a, like, like, not to say we didn't have one, because obviously I have one, but I think my connection with my family has just been strengthened over the years with everything that we've been going through, and, like, now, like, I don't think I've ever been homesick, and I think leaving for this semester was probably one of the hardest times, because I really didn't want to leave my house, but, um, going to the community and the built community I was very curious because I know what you mean about like trying to find one and it's a lot harder here but I think like there are people whether they be upperclassmen or certain staff members who try to give us a sense of community here especially with the whole like you know um we're people of color so we should stick together which just for everyone listening is not to say that we wouldn't be friends with other people I feel like people always think we're very exclusionary when the goal is just to be inclusionary of people who are always excluded but like going off of that like I would say just like you know when I was a first year like I was here I was for first bomber weekend randomly a jersey mix came on and then Alyssa Carbonell is the only person who knew it and I pointed at her, and the two of us went dancing, (laughs) and it was probably one of the first times that whole weekend where I was like, oh, thank God, and then um, afterwards, someone came up to me, and they gave me the QR code for the POC group chat, and now I've been in that group chat for three, wow, three, almost four years, and just, like, how they tried to make a sense of community with, like, the group chat, there's, like, uh, one that's just for like female identifying people um there's the different clubs on campus um and like apparently that you've been going to sister to sister meetings and we just had never met or it was n- no no different what club uh als oh yeah no yeah, same, room. same room same room yep. yeah that's my bad my up. bad yeah apparently like you had been going to those meetings and sometimes i'd try and pop by and i just guess I missed you because <laughs> we hadn't met till like you were literally like I want you to model for high fashion because I want 
more women of color to do to style and And i'm still on that so if anybody would like to model for high fashion (laughs) we are having our two annual runway shows as hopefully we can um covid please stay away (laughs) but yeah no that's that's i think um my have found my community in the way that i've definitely found like people that support me i um when i declared my latino studies minor i had taken intro to latino studies with um dr gustavo licon who is no longer here unfortunately but who opened up so many doors for me i think in terms of um helping me figure out what i want to do post-grad um helping me figure out how i could do my best um as a person of color to help mobilize like other people in my community and i think that things like like professors like that and faculty members like that are the reason why I have been able to stay here and been able to stay in like a good state of mind um despite all of the other chaotic things happening in this in the institution is being able to have them um nearby and having like a resource I think similarly for me it was Dr. Nia I didn't I don't think I utilized her as much as other people did but kind of just seeing her and knowing that she existed was enough for me and then um like more recently when i like there was the time that she did like hip-hop and r&b yoga or she became the uh club uh advisor thanks (laughs) i didn't know that the club advisor for bsu she was also apparently the club advisor for the dope steppers and so like i started seeing her more often And I think that's what helped a lot because, like, seeing her more often than, like, seeing her sister for uh, during the sister-to-sister talent show where she'd come up with the Southside Community Center. It was just nice to see, apparently, that they had, like, black women in the community, like, showing off, like, that, not showing off, but, like, showing that there were black women in the community like doing something. And I really appreciated that. And I really was grateful for seeing them, especially like, because I feel like there's not a lot of representation of like women of color. Like now the the head of uh, residential life, Marsha Dawson, like when I first met her, when she first came in, you, you could not wipe the smile off my face like she was so cool and she had her natural hair and she was so nice and she had the biggest smile and she would talk to me and just ask me how I was and I never realized how important that was to me or how much I needed it like sure like there are like different black RDs and like other black men around campus but like having a black woman in like a position of power and someone I could talk to really did I think help me a lot with just like going through this and like knowing who I wanted to talk to. Yeah, and I think um, for me that has sort of been uh, just like the multiple different faculty members in the Center for Culture, Culture, Race and Ethnicity. Um, Dr. Belisa Gonzalez, like I mentioned her before, I'm in class with her now. I think she's been um, a great help to me in terms of just like being able to see like another like Latina woman um, in a position of power or just like be able to see a Latina woman who's doing all that she can for her community. I think that uh, it's really interesting to see 
how they take activism and turn like take it into like her career like she's turned activism into essentially her career by teaching and trying to forward the mindsets of students so i think that having her as a professor has like really um changed my experience here and just allowed me to see the world obviously not just through my own perspective but through the perspective of other marginalized people and just to see like how other people feel um in different situations and so yeah i think on that um like building my friend groups of um like more women of color as well mm-hmm. and i think that also just being like trying to stay connected to my family at home and it also helps now like my um my boyfriend whenever he comes up to visit just like reminds me of home which is really nice um that sounded so so <laughs> you're such down a sim. bad you're that a was sim. down bad i you're apologize to it's okay. everyone who just had to hear that but um i, I, w- I could say the same about um i could say the same about um my advisor uh lolly khalid like she might not be a black woman but she is a woman of color and she truly did affect my experience because like i i don't think i would have been able to like go through the park school (laughs) if she wasn't my advisor like i truly appreciate her being my advisor and like helping me through this and like when covid hit and i had to make the decision on whether or not i was going to uh come back and she was saying how like black black and brown people are like being disproportionately like affected like don't put yourself or your family at risk and that was like right before then they decided to just not open Ithaca at all and I was just really grateful because if I don't think if she said that to me if she didn't say that to me like I don't know if I would have been able to make a better decision for myself and so like that was definitely something that I really needed and it's like it's nice there aren't that many but the ones that are there like you like if you can truly make a connection with them I think it truly helps yeah and I think like you you find a new appreciation for educators that are willing to go like an extra step for you when you have professors like lolly and um and dr gonzalez i think that it it makes school a little bit more worthwhile when you have professors who actually care for you and care not only about how you're doing in class but how you're doing outside of class Mm -hmm. because i feel like i've been in a lot of situations where like professors are just like i only care if your assignments are coming in on time like i don't really want to look at anything else um and that's obviously not the best approach because if your students aren't doing even if someone's doing the best that they can at school and getting all their assignments in on time and doing well on their grades it doesn't mean that they're doing well mental health wise yeah so i think that um the faculty of color just sort of get it more because mm-hmm. they understand that not only like are you under school stress but like being a person of color is not easy like carrying that shit on your back is not easy <laughs> not <at all. laughs> like so it gets pressure. so exhausting yeah. and i feel like uh, like student like students who aren't in that situation like white students don't understand like the the kind of like the pressure that it puts on you especially when you're at a pwi because it's like there's so few people of color that like you're like the mascot for like everybody in your group there's a lot of pressure to be phenomenal and then there's pressure on top of that to like not only be phenomenal and outstanding but like to get good grades then there's the pressure of like besides like your good grades what else are you doing and then there's the pressure of like what what's your outside of that like and then you have to have a job because we're all here on work study for sure and then everyone's competing for the same jobs and then like all these just all these things are just 
on top of each other and it makes it like super hard but yeah is there anything else that just about that I don't want to feel like I cut you off or no um no I just think yeah it's just kind of laborious it's really laborious to have to sort of constantly be held responsible for also like educating your peers like I don't know how many times I've heard one of my friends or one of my classmates of color say like I'm tired of telling the white people in this class especially in my classes that I take for that are more focused around like race and ethnic um, and like ethnic studies how much labor is put on students of color to sort of like check their white classmates and I feel like it's like we're not getting paid to teach you guys like you can and I feel like there's just like sort of a lack of effort in that department from like from uh white students like sort of just wanting black and brown students to sort of hand them everything and it's just like okay we already have to deal with this on a systematic level and like our families are disproportionately affected by literally everything else that white students don't have to worry about but yet on top of that we're just sort of like expected to do more and more and more like how you were saying like not just expected to be good students but to be like phenomenal phenomenal. exactly there's something that we didn't mention at all <laughs> you're a bold scholar <laughs> i am i am i i'm a bold scholar um from the fourth cohort the fourth cohort so i'm the senior cohort currently um and yeah so it's like a big time commitment on top of that like i'm literally one of the faces of Ithaca college <laughs> yeah you're a bold. and of the bold uh women's leadership program yeah, you're a bold scholar so that's also like a sisterhood built like not built but like a kind of like a sisterhood that was built with like a specific like goal in mind so then besides like your jobs and your schooling and now you do bold on top of that to like you also make like an impact project that like is supposed to like be this big reflection of like your time as a bold scholar so like on top like there's just another thing right there (laughs) exactly and speaking of that the foundation did not approve our project for this year so we're looking for um different ways that we can help out in the community um as opposed to doing our transformation project um but because they wanted a phenomenal idea from college students who have six million other things on their plate and because they also fund uh genius grants which are i don't know if anyone's heard of them but they're basically grants that are given to they find like pretty much like the most phenomenal people on the earth and they're like you're doing really cool work we want to fund your really cool work um and it's like like life-changing work that they're doing it's amazing work but also it's people who have like three and four degrees who can who have like more leisurely time on their hands um as opposed to a group of 10 college students who have six million other things to do on top of um our transformation project but yeah no i think when you talk about uh the sisterhood of bold it definitely is like one of the best things that's happened to me Mm -hmm. i don't even know how i forgot to mention it um but yeah i think it brought together such an amazing group of um students and it has been super beneficial not only to like obviously the scholarship money has helped me stay here Mm -hmm. but um in general just like the sense of community that i have with my fellow bold scholars is amazing um a few of them are people that i was already friends with um in the past like from separate situations just because i'm sort of like everywhere on campus i feel like people from like every area of campus happen to know me from one way or another so I knew like a bunch of them just from outside and like a couple of them I'm really close friends with so it was it was nice to see familiar faces but then at the same time it was so nice to get to know um other students and 
we have like uh we have weekly meetings which i like to call my weekly therapy sessions with them <laughs> and we just sort of like air our grievances and it is so nice to be in a group of other women who understand what you're going through um most of our cohort is well our entire cohort except one one student is uh women of color um and our program director is a woman a white woman but i love her with all my heart and I think that she does such a great job of making us feel included. Shout out to Sam Alibieri, um, Alibiari. And so, yeah, I think that that has sort of created more of like a, not a safe space because safe spaces don't exist, but a safer space or a, face, a space that I feel more comfortable in is just with my fellow Bold Scholars and with Sam, with our program director. Um, but yeah, like I think it's sort of like a kinship that I wish I had my entire time that I was here. Mm -hmm. But now that I do have it, I think that it's something that I definitely want to hold on to for a long time. I'm definitely glad to hear that. And I'm, I know that sometimes after bold, like they usually all still talk to each other and reach out to each other. So I'm glad you have that sisterhood that will last you a long time. And then just something I kind of wrap these all up with. And like I ask everyone is just something you wish you knew before coming here. So something like for you let's do two uh something you wish you knew before coming to america <laughs> and then something you wish you knew before coming to ithaca specifically because i feel like i wish i if i if i had the option i might have stayed in the dominican republic <laughs> oh yeah um i think that okay something i wish i knew so i immigrated here as like a two-year-old so i didn't know anything pretty <laughs> much but if i was gonna feel like i don't know i think I feel as though um, I wish I would have known that like kindness is not universal, mm -hmm. um, especially not here. I think that obviously every place has people who are unkind, but I think that the United States is just like built off of like a culture of unkindness um, and it bums me out a lot. And I think that when I'm back home, like I was back in Dominican Republic over the summer mm -hmm. and it's just really nice to feel like everybody around you sort of like cares about your well-being um because as much as the U.S. praises itself on its like individualistic culture it doesn't really do it doesn't really do it for me and it obviously doesn't really do it for a lot of people but I think that that's definitely something that I wish I would have known and shoot if my mom knew maybe we would have you had be on an island somewhere nice and tan and happier um but yeah but i'm super grateful for everything that my mom did to make sure that i could come here um because i guess it worked out uh, pretty well yeah, so far yeah exactly she's gonna be so happy um and yeah so i think that's definitely something i wish i knew before i came to america just you know brace myself a little bit better yeah. um and something i wish i knew before coming to ithaca is just i think i it's not it's not even just one given thing but I think that I wish I knew a little bit more about um, the way that, I don't even, it's like so hard to put into words, but I don't know. I think I wish I would have known about like how the community functions so much more differently here than what I was used to. Um, and also just how race functions so much differently here than back home for me. Um, I, nobody told, I don't even know what a PWI was. Nobody in my family has ever gone to college. So I think that obviously, like if I had somebody else in my family who had gone to college or who had, um, had any experience with higher education, I would have 
been able to catch on more to things but I was just kind of like flying solo like just mm-hmm. my mom was like I don't even know what a FAFSA is and I was like yeah me neither but we're gonna figure it out but yeah I just wish that that was sort of something that I knew was just like the the culture shock that I was about to be stepping into so that I could have either better prepared myself or found a different school to go to but this is where I landed and I'm almost done so can't complain now yeah you made it exactly they couldn't break me (laughs) (laughs) but they tried (laughs) okay so that's about it for this week's episode thanks again to Sadie for coming on the show and being willing to have this conversation with me you can find more episodes of The Intersection and other podcasts at theethican.org. Remember to be good people and treat others with kindness and respect. Thanks for listening.